When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky. Hey, Redcasters, it looks like we picked the wrong year to start a podcast. That's it? That's it? That's it? Nothing more? All right. Well, I'm also with Boomer. Hey, I'd just like to remind all the Redcast fans, it looks like there's a uh, coach from Oregon State who's now available. (laughs) And maybe uh, a place for uh, Mike Riley to land uh, if he's not here next year. Uh, Well, welcome, guys. We are are absent Mac tonight, uh, but he has not left the Redcast. He's not on protest. He's just... uh, Out saving lives or something lame like that. That's right. Doing more important things. Uh, But we were... uh, you know, talking about a loss, another loss. We uh, went up against the feisty Badgers of Wisconsin uh, Saturday night in Lincoln. Redcast was there. Uh, myself uh, took an RV out with uh, seven other folks. We had a great time until the game really started. Hockey joined us. Boomer had a great tailgate. Uh, we had a lot of fun with uh, some Twitter on Saturday. I think we had the Red Bull girls in attendance at our tailgate and a bunch of other people stopped by uh guys uh how was saturday for you i had a blast it was a it was a great time uh from geez 11 in the morning to about seven o'clock at night uh but uh <laughs> yeah and even right the after about a pick bad, six right? it all, all got kind of a little murky after that eh, honk <laughs> yeah uh but yeah you know it's just it was one of those rough games and and uh, we're halfway through a season right now, and we're three and three, and and boy, it's getting games. harder and harder to put a, a a nice bow on this right now. I don't know, you know, we're going to try to talk through some productive discussions, not just being positive, but actually trying to be productive. What can this team still do moving forward? But I'll just tell you right now, it's it's getting harder with each week to to come up with that. What yeah, what can this team do to to get this thing turned around and, and finish the season on some kind of high note? Boomer. No, I'd uh, just echo what Honky said. the The game was great. The uh, libations did their job, at least until they wore off about halftime, which may have been Nebraska's problem. I don't know. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I would agree. Again, at this point in the season, we really just have to take a serious look about where we're at and what the next few games is likely to hold, and what does that mean? Where do we go from here? Yeah, exactly right. Well, um, I think the first thing we can do is go right into our offensive breakdown. Scoring explosion. The offensive breakdown. Which, uh, actually, the first half overall looked looked pretty good from a production standpoint, yardage-wise, right? We had over 300 yards of total offense, uh, 200 through the air, uh, around 100 uh, on the ground, uh, against a very stingy Wisconsin defense, Um uh, but we did start off again uh, with a drive that ended in a pick six. Uh, 
that play is just it's hard to figure how this keeps on happening that came off of Ozigbo's helmet uh, just popped up in the air uh, I was sitting in the north end zone I saw that happen I literally just sat down uh, the second uh, the Wisconsin linebacker caught it because I knew exactly where he was going guys your thoughts at that moment of the game well, I just thought the weirdest thing about it is like everyone was just kind of resigned to, well, there it is again. You know, at least we got out of the way now. You know, yeah. it's not the first pick six, and I fear it won't be the last. But he's got to be on some pace for some sort of record with that, right? There's no way. I don't think the up. NCAA actually keeps that as a stat. Um, I've been it's trying to look for it. Not an official stat. No, I don't believe it's an official, an official stat. stat. But Go figure. I'd, I'd be hard pressed to imagine too many other people are have a higher. Uh, Interception touchdown. He's averaging like this, .75 yeah. pick sixes per game right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's just, pretty impressive. I'll just tell you, I, we've, this feels like such a, a broken record, the same thing each week and week over again, but my goodness, we are a terrible passing team. I mean, or at the very yeah. least, we are an absolute comedy of errors. And I don't even want to go into the run-pass ratio. Thank God we don't have Mac here so he and I don't get into another – 20-minute thing that no one wants to hear right now about run-pass ratios. But my goodness, we are now six games in the season. We've had 12 turnovers. 11 of them have been through the passing game, 10 interceptions, and then Morgan's fumble. Of those 10 interceptions, four, 40% of our interceptions have gone back for pick sixes. I don't know if it's just dumb luck or whatever. I mean, but it it's is... It's extraordinary. It it's really extraordinary. Is. But what's not extraordinary is what... Wisconsin does week in and week out. Yeah, we talked about it when they beat BYU and they had 49 runs to 19 passes, I think, and they completed 18 and 19 passes. And we said, that's really efficient. Well, they actually took a step back this week. They had, what, 49 runs to you know 17 passes, and they only completed nine. That yeah. This team came in and did what they did to us and didn't even complete double-digit passes. I mean, I, I coached midget football teams that had more catches in games than these guys had against us, but they <laughs> it, it just it doesn't well, matter. They know what they do, and they do it well. Oh, and they do it with a true freshman running back, and we are constantly looks really in good. the mode. We're, well, he's wow. pretty good, but he's also Great pretty good now. at a system that really is built for yep. him, right? Because yep. we're in that constant mode of wait until next year or wait until two years from now. We have this great recruiting class that's going to come in. What freshman playing right now gives anyone – that 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 belief that a true freshman is going to be able to come in at Nebraska and do what a true freshman did at Wisconsin. Like our system, just by itself, it, it lends it lends you to that belief that it's going to take two or three years before guys get through the make know, playbook and, and really actually make an impact. We have sure. Jalen Bradley out there that doesn't play a snap. You know, their true freshman runs for two hundred and fifty yards. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, it's. I'm, I'm, Let me ask you this, Hunk. Um, it, now I'm, I'm sure our coaches don't read anything in the papers and they don't pay attention to social media but what we just said is not breaking news I bet there's been a hundred articles written about Husker football in the last 48 hours and pretty much all of them were saying look what Wisconsin does we used to do that sure. why can't we just do that again right I mean that's a, it was a universal cry after this game sure um what do you think the coaching staff thinks when they read that? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, before the season started, we had, you know, Jerry DiNardo and the, the BTN crew were here, and the first thing they said at our practice was, wow, this looks like Wisconsin's offense. 
And what I've kind of tried to, and by the way, that led to my t- ten and two preseason prediction. You were very excited. I really thought between what he said there and between all the offseason things that Riley had talked about with we can't line up and throw it 40-plus times a game, that 94% of, of Big Ten teams win when they run the ball more and have less turnovers. I mean, I really wanted to believe that, and that went, that factored into my 10-2 and two prediction. It, it factored greatly into it. We're not, we're not there. We're nowhere near there. We don't do that. Um, we're so inconsistent. From one week to the next, it, it just feels like we're trying to – create a new game plan each week instead of just finding something that works and sticking with it you get bradley a week ago starting to have a good game and then he doesn't touch the field this week i yeah i just i don't i i want to try to somewhere be productive like what can we still do this year what can riley do i'm not just resigned to the fact that he's definitely that there's definitely changes going on but changes have to be made and, ch- and when i say that I don't, I'm not saying fire a person. I'm saying something has to change. You just can't keep doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results. And, and so what are changes? What are things that can happen that can still be productive for this team this year? And, and I was talking with Mac about it the other day, and you know, one of the things that started to come to our mind was, you know, if I'm Riley right now and I've got at least six games left, I'm taking over play calling duties. And... And it's not that because we got to fire Langsdorf, and I'm not trying to say it's, you throw it all on him, but there's something inconsistent when the head coach week in and week out says, this is the kind of offense I want to run, and we never come out and run it. And we hear that, oh, well, it's because we couldn't, you know, we, we're, not getting, we're not getting good rushing yards on first down, so we're not going to run it. Well, Dave, what were we talking about before the show here? At, at halftime, we had about 100 yards rushing. Yeah, you no, know, we were successful in the first half. Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. It, and one of the things that's hilarious to me is you know we're so used to these pick sixes. It's like yeah, you know, hey, no big deal. We're just used. We to finally got them. one of our own, right? Yeah, yeah like, we hey. get one from Wisconsin, and Wisconsin's response to that is, oh yeah, we're like not throwing again the rest of the game. Like that's it. They, that's they done. threw twice after that. I think uh, two passes the rest of the game. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we're not doing that again. That's yeah, none of that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we absolutely. have some great social media quotes I'm going to pull out here in a little bit Dave but I mean that's just offensively I it's so disheartening to me and we haven't even obviously got to the point yet where we can talk about the defense which is what Wisconsin's offense was doing to us just that pummeling oh wow well let me bring Boomer into this a little bit um, I, I think I, I heard today that Trey Bryant is likely out for the season uh, and to, to Honky's point there We've, we should have been able to stockpile our running back position where the entire scheme that Riley spoke about in the offseason uh, shouldn't have been dependent on the healthy knee of, of Trey Bryant. Uh, is there uh, a, a fault with this coaching staff on how they've recruited and built this program? Because in this day and age, you, you don't get five years uh, immediately without starting to produce and they have not really recruited that running back position so to, to hockey's point if riley's saying that we need to run the ball a lot but all of our high profile recruits have been whiteouts uh where's the, the focus on getting more running backs that could could produce that type of run game i don't know that's been a question i've had and the only thing i can figure and this goes to kind of like what hockey's saying where langsdorf doesn't seem to be calling the plays that riley allegedly wants for his offense 
I guess my question is, if that's the case, why isn't he? Uh, Riley, you're the head coach. You can tell him to call X kind of game. Why isn't? Why hasn't yeah. he done so? The only thing I can figure at this I, point, I, either Trey Bryant's the only linchpin they had to hold that whole Wisconsin-esque offense together, and without him they have no faith in it, which doesn't really make sense, giving Ozigbo's performance the last couple games. Yeah. Really, the, reliable. the simplest answer, the old Lockham's Razor answer to it is they just don't think we can do it or they really don't want to run that kind of offense. He might say he does, and maybe it's which just is, the political which end Which is of what it. Gerald Foster said in the post-conference, essentially, right? I mean, our lineman said, no, we want to be Nebraska, and essentially espouse the balanced approach that yeah, we should I, be able to run in pass. And, and I want to give Foster a little bit of a of a pass on that because I know it, I think he's defending his team there, and it's sure, a question sure. right after the game. And, you know, we're not in the – press conference so we don't see exactly how it's all phrased but i but it, it the optics of it don't look good <laughs> you know when no. when he comes out and he's saying he's saying yeah we don't we don't want to be a run the ball team and everything and you're just getting destroyed for the sixth out of seventh time by the run the ball team that's winning this division i mean we're, we're gonna have to be able to win this division before we can win the conference and to win the division and beat the wisconsin's in the that's Iowa's, how math works yeah yeah, well, and to and to beat the Wisconsin's and the Iowas, a, a pass first mentality like this, and and quite honestly, kind of a soft pass first Pac twelve mentality isn't going to do it. And, and, hey, Boomer, recru- and top recruiting f- classes necessarily aren't going to do it. Iowa and no. Wisconsin, we're beating the heck out of them in recruiting classes. That's not the problem. Yeah. Boomer, can you look at Wisconsin's recruiting classes just for how many running backs they recruit on an annual basis? I have a, a feeling it's more than one which is essentially what the Riley regime is averaging. And, you know, we've beat up uh, Honky. You've pounded this over and over again of Riley's promising that we, you know, we're going to try to be the top three rushing offense in the Big Ten and we're going to can't throw the ball, et cetera. But we haven't actually tied that to their recruiting classes, which have only taken one running back at a time. Sure. I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? If you're really espousing to be that much of a run team, why are you only bringing in one running back at a time? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Sure, yeah. And, I mean, that's a lot of the – I was kind of going through social media and trying to get some different quotes, and, and a lot of things that people were writing about were, you know, you have to give this give the coaching staff time to get their players in here and all that, which at some point now that we're a 1,000 days into is – into the, the Riley a thousand days of Mike Riley, you know, we're three, three seasons and everything. I'll use a, an urban Meyer quote. That's a coach that will be playing in five days. Um, you don't get five years to build a team anymore. You get two. If you're lucky, that's, that's how Myers mentality is, is on it. When, when it comes to the running backs, uh, three of the four guys that are out there were recruited by this staff, you know, Bryant and Zigbo and, and Bradley. And, and then they inherited the four star Wilbon. So they have four running backs there, and if that's not enough, then get more. And and but again, we have a healthy Bradley that's sitting on the sideline, not playing at all. You know, this last weekend. So Zigbo, you know, who doesn't play for the first two games at all, all of a sudden now he's getting the lion's share of every carry, which is understood with injuries and all. But he, we don't find a way to get Bradley out there, and and and. To get a few more carries, we have 23 carries go to, to Zigbo, and the whole entire team had 26. And every one of those other ones is basically a QB scramble or sack or you know, yep, that's not right. called. Runs. Also, notice something that we've expected for the last three years is that we're going to get a few 
rushes out of the wide receivers that we've recruited so heavily, sure. right? And we didn't see any of the sweeps this week. It so. is so unimaginative, uh, this this running offense, between zero QB or uh, zero fly sweeps, to your, to your point there, Dave, or like last week on the on the Redcast, we like to say that we get we get things done, but we didn't because last week we we said maybe they'd run a little uh, uh, oh, uh, wildcat wildcat. Thank you. None. I mean, there's just nothing. This is the most unimaginative run game. And then even if something does work, we don't stick with it. Boomer. Okay. Well, uh, to your question, Dave, if uh, our good friends at Badger twenty four seven Sports are to be believed. Uh, 2013 class was run running back. Uh, 2014 and 2015, they recruited two. In 2016, they had one running back in those classes. So not super okay. heavy, so, but at no, least multiple. But, but. Six and four years. All right. Yeah. And one thing, you know, I just kind of wanted to mention with Honky, he says, you know, we have an unimaginative running game. Does Wisconsin have a really super creative, imaginative running game, or are they just good at running? Well, what I – well – I said two things. I said we don't have a real imaginative running game, but the second part of it is is that if we do find something that works, we don't stick with it. Um, you're right. Wisconsin doesn't have a, a, a wildly imaginative offense in terms of the run game, but when they find something that works, they stick with it to the tune of 20 straight runs, I think it was. You know, would yeah. we do that? I mean, we did that a year ago at the end of the Illinois game, if I, believe, if I remember correct. I think we had like 20 straight runs at the end of that. But Wisconsin – is consistent. Wisconsin runs it 49 times against BYU and has 19 passes. Wisconsin against Nebraska runs it 49 times and has 17 passes. Wisconsin, you know what you're going to get from week to week. They do it. They do it well. I guess the imaginative thing that maybe Wisconsin did that Nebraska didn't do this week was they put in a second running back. (laughs) I guess that's imaginative. That's called rotation. I'm not not sure what to to make out of it more than that, but I, I don't know. I just... I, I, I really, I like Riley, and you know if you kind of go back in our tweets at the end of that game, at the end of that day, I mean, we didn't want, uh, we kind of put the the phones down eventually because it's like we're not going to sit here and pile on them at the end of Saturday night, but it's disheartening. I it really is, and this we have better players than this. That I I am the one thing I'm not going to do, and I saw some I saw some some people on social media, and I saw saw a couple even, eh, I'm not going to go who, but. I saw people that were really attacking the players as being bad players. And that to me, like, I don't, I don't get, you don't get to do that as a fan. Like, I don't, I don't think you get to be like better and say, you know what? Don't blame the coaches. It's not the coaching fault. Our players just suck. It's, it's our players that suck. And we just need, you know, the coaches just need to get two or three more classes in here. Cause those, all those high school kids that are, that are, you know, talking big games, they're the ones that are going to just fix everything next year and the year after that. Eventually, you have to look and you have to go, you know, are we making progress? That was our whole point in this show since week one in preseason. Sure. We want to see progress, even more than just talking records. Are we making progress? Is this offense making progress right now? Like, do you have any feeling that what we're doing is getting better as, as, you know, you get the quarterback in that you you want? Um, We haven't had wild injuries at at wide receiver throughout the season so far, so we've really had our top three or four playing every week. We've had some injuries at running back, but but we you know, but we can we always have the next man up. You know, even our offensive line has gotten better throughout the year. I think most people kind of recognize that. Why are we scoring ten offensive points in this game? Why is yeah. this? So why I mean, is this, is this imp- the improvement would have been 
Yeah, is this the third game that by the time our defense got on the field for the first time we were down already? I mean, this is, it's insane. It's it's this laughable comedy of errors. And I I don't want to pile on the players at some point. But then if you, and I don't want to. So if you don't want to pile on the players, on the kids, who do you pile on? Yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, the first half is an example of, you know, are we getting better or not as an offense? And sure, we pile up a lot of yards against good defense, but... By scoring 10 points, we, we drove it in Wisconsin territory four straight times and, and got zero points out of that. You just can't do that. Um, you need to produce points in that first half when the Wisconsin offense wasn't executing at a high level and get ahead of them in, in, at halftime and put the pressure on them. And it just it doesn't happen. In the second half, when Wisconsin answered the bell, the bell got rung when Williams picked off Hornibrook and scored and tied up that game, and that place was electric. And we needed to get the ball back after that drive, and our offense needed to answer the bell and go right back down again and do it and tie this thing up, and they couldn't do it. Um, and when we got the ball back after the second long drive, we, we turned the ball over right away. That, that's not not improvement from that offense. There's no doubt. Boomer, you want to add, anything uh, to add here before we wrap up uh, scoring explosion? No, just the sheer lack of a scoring explosion is probably just well, all we can say about it. Failed to take advantage, failed to get a good start. One of the things we harped on last week, needed to start strong and didn't do it again. Here we have it. Yeah, it's it's just a rinse and repeat. We've seen it too many times uh, so far this year, that's for certain. Throw the bones, the defensive breakdown. All right, guys, we are throwing the bones, which we did a little bit uh, on Saturday night, especially with that INT pick six and a respectable first half. Um, but uh, just a not enough, especially in three consecutive, maybe four consecutive drives there in the second half where Wisconsin pretty much did whatever they wanted, which was run the ball right at us. Um, this this might be a short segment. But there's not a whole lot of positives to take out of the type of performance at the end of the day. Honky, anything uh, you want to want to start off soft with? Well, I, I I think the defense in general. I'm going to go back to the word we talked about on offense: progress. Are we seeing it or not? And, and I feel good about the defense right now. I really do. I see progress being made. Really? I think throughout the first half, for sure, we're seeing progress there. Um, would they have 17 points at half and seven of them bounced off of Zigbo's head? So and, and um, seven of that was a 75 yard run. I yeah. So I mean, but I think what we saw in that game was just a really good offensive scheme gassing us at the end of it. And so it was a combination of two things in that second half. We we got pooped, and why? Part of it was we probably had an opportunity or two at times to get off the field that we didn't. And then certainly when our offense got on the field, it was so quick and out that that our defense was right back out there on the field again. And so eventually that, that takes its toll. Um, I thought our defense, again, you know, specifically in the first half, I guess, I thought they, they held up really well. And um, But they just got pooped. I don't know. I got, I got nothing more than that. Yeah, well, I mean, so – with that 3-4, could have Diaco done anything different in that second half? I mean, we did get him to a third and four, third and five, a couple different times in each one of those drives. And uh, I remember one in particular, they got the big big pass play, and then we had him third and goal, and they, they converted. 
So when we did get them to finally throw the ball, they actually executed. They threw twice in the second half after that INT. Both were completions and for, for a first down and a touchdown. Um, run defense, though, it felt like Taylor was getting three or four yards contact and another three or four yards. Uh, could they have done run blitz? Is something more to bring, even just dare them to throw the ball at some point? <laughs> I, I don't well, know. You know, I mean, so, I mean, at some point you had to say, like, what do you have to lose, right? Yeah, Beat me I over mean, the top. I don't care. I'm putting nine guys in there to tackle Taylor, right? I, I think that's a fair way of saying it. I mean, I Hornerbrook, I'll give, I'll give our, our quarterback, I'll give Lee some credit here. I think that Hornerbrook's the second best quarterback on that field that night. So maybe maybe you do you just sell out everything and just try to put it on his shoulders to win obviously you know he makes that one pick six and wisconsin's the coach's response to that was yeah we're not throwing again you're, right you know yeah, we're not going to put think this after in run 16 or 17 you might see the pattern emerging and maybe yeah, yeah. just put something in I'm there i'm just saying like diaco never really just completely just stuffed sold the box out and to, said, I'm just not right. going to let you do that any longer. Yeah, and that's, Beat me over the top. I don't that's care. Really that's really the kind of the, one of the disappointing things about this half. And, like, Honky, you know, Honky even alluded to how the defense was tired or gassed. But on that first long drive at Wisconsin's, they really didn't have any reason to be tired or gassed. They'd been on the field for, what, two minutes so far that second half? Yeah, exactly. And then they mm-hmm. get the ball and they let him go 93 yards and 10 plays. Had chances to get off the field, didn't do that's, it. That's that's I don't specifically the that. drive. Yeah. yeah, that's specifically a drive boomer I'm talking about. Where I go, they they just didn't get off the field, and they didn't. Yeah, it's that, I, I yeah, it's kind yeah, of amazing. I mean, they open up open up with a 15 yard carry, then 11, then a seven. Yeah. I mean, it was right off the bat. It wasn't like they took long to get going in that drive. It was no. an immediate response by Wisconsin. We can run over you. That's what we're going to do now. And Diaco didn't didn't ever, you know, I guess the the bend. But don't break mentality. Bent all the way down to, to well, you know third and goal at the well, five, and they can yeah, and here, a touchdown pass. This is this starts to become more of an offensive talk than defensive. But the bend but don't break is great against the pass. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I mean, you can do yeah. that against pass teams, but the run game. Go back to Nebraska in the nineties. Running no no defense played bend but don't break against Tom Osborne because they, yeah. they would just break eventually. We'll just yeah. run over you, especially in the run zone. And, We'll break whatever, right? Well, that's that's is exactly what Wisconsin did. Um, I also think that that interception was such a wake up call to them. I mean, the, the intensity that their O line came out with, the intensity that their running back came out with. I mean, they were focused and they were like, "That is just that's not happening again." I mean, there was a there was like a switch yeah. that that happened with them, and we didn't have that same switch. And I, I'm only making excuses if I go into trying to come up with too many reasons why we don't have that switch right now, but. But yeah, it, well, it, we you didn't know, match it. We'll talk about this a little bit more, uh, maybe in our next segment, talking about the coaching carousel, because a former Wisconsin coach uh, who went in nineteen and seven in two years uh, was uh, just just left his position at Oregon State today. But Paul Chris has been there just the exact same time amount of time as as Mike Riley, and. He has clearly uh, embraced the Alvarez model, um, even with offense and defensive coordinator changes. And that culture, uh, to be able to flip the switch, is there. And I don't know if I've ever seen the the switch flipped under Riley, right? Like where we suddenly everything clicked, right? And that opportunity was there 
um, on Saturday night. You had all the momentum, 17 to 17, the stadium was electric, and we did the exact opposite, right? Yeah. I, it, I just, I don't have, I don't have anything. I mean, we've got, Wisconsin's gone through three DCs in the last yeah. three years. Isn't it something, some ridiculous yeah, number Yeah, and they've like done that? the same they, thing every year. They, it doesn't matter have, what coach we've had, what scheme we've been running. Yep. And they just do this well against us, and I don't, I don't fully understand it. I, I, you know, watching Wisconsin Northwestern last week, Northwestern was able to hold them to about 100 yards rushing. Is Northwestern's defense better than anything we were able to put on the field? Are their players better defensively? Yeah, I would hope question. not. But I, mean, I, I would I, guess that's what I don't the, understand. The honkies, yeah. the honkies point about are we seeing progress? The first two games, why I was so high on Nebraska beating Wisconsin this year was Wisconsin did nothing against us the last two years that scared me. Riley actually defended Wisconsin really well, lost on the last second field goal at home two years ago, lost in overtime last year. I expected another competitive close game like that. You can say that we really stepped forward. If you're just putting the Wisconsin games under the microscope from years one, two, and three, this is the worst performance of the three. Yep, <laughs> I, I I know you have nothing else to say, but I mean that's 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 the truth, right? Yeah, I, I I see progress with the defense overall, but Wisconsin's a different beast from what they do, and and what they what they want to do, they did to us. I mean, they just yeah. I'm not necessarily the, Nebraska it, took a step back, but we haven't kept pace with yeah, Paul Chris it, Wisconsin program over the last three years. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and Dave, this I, I, I don't even want to bring this up because it, it takes us down such a different tangent that I don't want to go down. But, I mean, Wisconsin will practice against each other. They'll go they'll yep. go good on goods, though. And that great offensive line and that hard-paced, you know, hard, fast offense and that run-first mentality, that's going dead smack into that defense time and time and time again. And, boy, somehow they make each other better. And, yeah, go figure. And, you know, I don't know if our defense is getting that same benefit right now. Yep, um, that's fair. So I, that's as be- I, I'm, I've been terrible in this segment here. I don't, I don't have anything to add. We just All right, we, well, got, we got we got. We can wrap it up. That second um, half. Boomer, uh, special teams, anything on that? Well, uh, mixed bag. Uh, Lightborn again, punting well. I mean, he's pinning people down deep. He's yeah, sixty-nine yard exactly punt, fifty-six yard punt. I think his Very average good. punting was I think like forty-seven, forty-eight yards. Can't argue with that. Yeah. Uh, the missed field goal that was disappointing. Stunning. Really no excuse for a thirty-three yarder. I, everyone in the stadium thought he made it, and everyone's quietly applauding. And meanwhile, the refs are waving it off, which was kind of surprising. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. I bizarre. thought he made it. And it, it's not quite special teams, but it's related. I think everyone was kind of mystified by our. Uh, play towards the end there going for that final field goal why we were throwing it's just we're just lucky that a zigbo kind of slid out of bounds there and we're able to stop the clock that's true that was i didn't understand the clock management that kind of plays in with special teams and granted that's been another recurring theme with riley teams is just terrible clock management towards the end of games i I don't understand it my standing offer at any program i'll be a clock manager for you for probably 50 75k I've watched enough games and played enough Super Tecmo. I can do this, guys. Please. <laughs> How different do you guys think the game could have potentially gone if that what was it? The kickoff that was fumbling around was that oh, right yeah. after that was right after Williams' uh, good, interception good return, right? So seventeen yep. seventeen, we kick off the ball's bumbling around, and if we just oh, land the, on it, just dumb luck. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I was kind of scanning some of the the previous Wisconsin Big Ten losses. Uh, you know, they're they're beatable, but the the keys to actually beating them, you know, it's not necessarily out rushing them or doing anything particularly better. It's turnovers against them. When they turn the ball over a lot, they're yeah a vulnerable team, and they lose games to teams they shouldn't. Like Northwestern's beaten them, you know, several years prior to this one, and the big key to those is turnovers. Yeah, we don't seem to be generating a ton of those, and you know, we're well, breaking even most games and. You know, we're not getting the chances when they do put it on the ground. And part of, yep. yeah, and to your point there, Boomer, yeah, turnovers is one big part of it. Another part of it's actually getting ahead and having a lead on a team, and forcing them to have to do things that are maybe outside of their their comfort zone. We never, because we have these balls bouncing off a of guy's heads at the beginning of games, and we have pick sixes, we're constantly coming from behind. It seems like to where it never puts pressure on teams. It. Just having Wisconsin down seven in the second half at any time could have changed a little bit of how maybe they would have played. Now, I say that, and, and then I, in the back of my head, I'm like, nah, it wouldn't have changed anything because they would have just said, screw it, we're running. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're, yeah. just, we're still going to run 20 straight times, you know? I mean, it, well, right? at some point, it could have made a difference. In it, the fourth at some point, quarter, it could have made a difference. It could have made yeah. a difference yeah, because it, you know, if we would have executed at a high, high level in the first half and scored. 23 points, something yeah. like that, and it's 23 to, to to 10. At some point, if we could have just got another touchdown in the second half, they would have at some point had to have thrown the ball yes. a little bit more. If Drew Brown makes his first half field goal and you're up by three after the Aaron Williams interception, instead of it being 17-17, if it's 20-17 to 17 and yeah. we land on a, on a kickoff that's fumbling around – and we, we score a touchdown, now all of a sudden we're up 27-17. to 17. If that's the scenario that would have happened, that could have conceivably changed a little bit maybe about how the Badgers would have come out and called their offense. But at the end of the day, just the way that the last quarter and a half went defensively for us, just getting, I'm just going to call it pooped out, I, just, I get the feeling that almost regardless of what the score would have been, that they would have just done that at some point. It would have, it would have happened unless we were – had sure, some 10 sure. or 14 point lead to begin with. I guess. Fair enough. You're listening to the Go Big Redcast. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. All right, now on the Go Big Redcast, we are looking through our Scarlet Colored Glasses, which is a uh, actually a little foggy probably right now, considering what we've seen for six games of the season. Uh, yeah, maybe we should get a distraction first. Boomer, we got some uh, trivia? Trivia time. Yeah, we do. Uh, we're taking it a little easier this week after the pummeling we took from Wisconsin. So <laughs> we we've got it. Wisconsin and now Ohio State coming in, both ranked in the top ten. So my question is, uh, when is the last time, if ever, the Huskers have played top ten opponents back-to-back? Not counting bowl games. Not counting bowl games. Yeah, and the regular season. I feel like that had to have happened at some point. I mean, 95 season in particular, we we beat four top 10 teams. Uh, were either any of those back-to-back, Honk? I don't think so. I mean, Kansas, K-State, Colorado were all in the top 10, but I don't... It would have... the back the. And then Miami. That would have been back-to-back, but that would include the bowl game. Right? Well, 95 was, was the Florida one. but Oh, Florida game, um, sorry. I know in, like, Boy, 90, 92, I know we played back-to-back Colorado and Kansas, and they were both ranked high. I don't know if Kansas was top 10, but they were they were at least in the teens. And um, 
Boy, that's about as... I'm just going to go with that. I'm going to say 92, Kansas and Colorado is my guess. Hmm. Trying to think through any of that. Anything else in Polini's era? Back-to-backs? Nothing recent. I mean, that's... I'm almost immediately jumping all the way back into the 90s because I... Nothing in the last 20 years... um, you know, sure. sounds like that, I guess. All right, we'll go with that, Boomer. 92. All right. Well, you guys are on partially the right track. Uh, 95 is what sprung to mind for me. We did play, uh, we using the AP poll, K-State, uh, number 8 in Colorado, who was number 7 at the time, back-to-back in late October oh. 95. But that is not actually the most recent time. I was surprised. Uh, 2008, Missouri was 4th and Texas Tech was 7th, and we played them back-to-back in Lincoln and then down in Lubbock in 2008. Wow. Oh, yeah, I was, wow. kind of forgot about that year entirely. So. It was Bo's first year. We got pummeled by, pummeled by Missouri. Um, we did, and tucked tech to overtime, so we at least uh, hmm. put forth a little better effort in game two of the uh, back-to-back right. top ten series. And so I've never been able to find us. I don't believe we've ever played uh, top ten teams back-to-back at home. So this is uh, a first ah. for what it's worth, I guess. So hurrah. <laughs> we've got that going That Missouri us, game nice. in 08, was that uh, our good friend uh, Schlitz's wedding? Yes. That yeah. would be correct. Right. Yes, it was. Yeah, yes. yeah we Brent watched Cass that all together. friend and a loyal listener, uh, Schlitz, yes. Yeah. Congratulations oh, wait, no. on that wedding again, Brian. Uh, wait, I right. think actually Schlitz's was in 07, so he was the... Oh, right, fine. Wait, that Screw was all that. That lost to Missouri. I remember losing yeah. to Missouri. That's all I remember. Yeah, that was the bad Well, we lost to him both years, Dave, so it doesn't, you know, yeah. The, the 07 one was the, uh, we have a third grade or high school defense or something that Chase Daniels said about uh, Cosgrove's oh, right. defense. right, right. Uh, all right. Well, all right. Well, it's uh, not actually that positive of a <laughs> of a way to look through the color color glasses there, Boomer. So uh, right, I was thinking of two back to back losses. Given me this week, so it ain't much. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we are a twenty four point underdog to Ohio State, uh, it's it's tough to be that positive, uh, and we don't want to, you know. Uh, just talk about uh, uh, coaching changes uh, prematurely. A lot of things can happen in the next six games. There's no guarantee, depending on where the AD position goes, etc. But I, I think we have to start bringing it up now on the Red Cast is uh, the possibility that we're going to be uh, joining the coaching carousel that happens every year now in college football with the stakes so high and the contracts uh, commensurate with that. Uh, millions of dollars being paid to these coaches. Their results uh, need to happen sooner than later. Uh, UTEP uh, fired their coach, brought in Mike Price as an interim coach, uh, I think already a week ago. Uh, just today, uh, Gary Anderson, former Wisconsin and Utah State coach, who took over the Beaver, Beaver program for Mike Riley, uh, stepped aside or was let go. It was a mutual situation. He actually essentially wash his hands of it uh, not requiring a buyout or anything which is pretty unusual he went 7 and 23 I believe in 30 games there in Corvallis um, there's going to be other uh, coaching fires this year looking at Butch Jones potentially at Tennessee Kevin Sumlin not looking uh, likely to be around at A&M you could look at Jim Moore potentially at UCLA Arizona Arizona State there's lots of potential openings out there um Guys, you know, this is a phenomenon that we, we've been a part of far too often now. 
Uh, you know, is, is there ever a right time to fire a coach? Well, I mean, there's right times if you... How about an ideal you know, time to fire no, a coach? ideal time. Let me put okay. that way. Well, ideally, I'd like to have an athletic director in place before we uh, go about firing anybody. <laughs> so let's uh, let's start there first, get that athletic director picked, and have some idea of what we're doing so we're not just kind of running around with an interim athletic director trying to make these decisions, which he said he wasn't going to do. You know, that's one thing Remington said he didn't want to do. He's not here to fire sure. anybody. So let's get let's get that in place first and get some sort of vision of well, what me, we want to be as a team and a program, and then we can kind of decide from there. Mm-hmm. Well, that that would be the the football uh, guy thought that Honky brought up um, a, a red cast or two ago that we need to hire the right uh, football guy in that athletic director position. I, I and I don't disagree with that per se, but the reality is the AD will be tied to whoever he would, whether he keeps Riley, he's he, or or eventually fires Mike Riley and hires someone else. That AD is tied to that coaching position, the success of the football program. If you're not fixing football, that mm-hmm. AD will be on thin ice sooner than later at some point. So if you are going to go through this process. In a couple more weeks, if we're staring at a three and five record or, or something to that degree, why put the pressure and all of your eggs on the AD to make that one higher? We should have an executive search committee to, to find the right coach. Why is it just the AD's role to hire the guy? Because he's going to go down with that ship, just like Ike Horse potentially is, is going to go down with Riley. Yeah. Uh, uh, we asked the question today to the Redcasters. And we're somewhere around 300 votes now, and and 67% of them said to give Riley one to two more years. 25% said change now or after 2017, and then 8% said uh, the result would be the same either way, which I kind of take as the that's the apathy approach. I was actually very pleased to hear that between the 67 and 25%, that 92% of people at least feel it's down to the two you know that right that you either keep riley around or hire someone else and and it will make a difference that it's not just gonna we're doomed to this forever you know that's that's we're a good not gonna start, become minnesota the eight percent thinks we're, we're gonna become yeah, the minnesota eight, the eight percent is the is the apathy vote there right yeah um we have said all along i mean we we've never rooted against nebraska in our life and that's not going to start now so we want to win Correct. the last six games. We want to finish the season nine and three, and there's there's no discussion at the at the end of the year. We we have our coaching staff in place, and we move on from there. That's that's what we want. Now, probably taking a little more realistic view of it, this game this weekend means a lot. You know, if we're talking about a win at the end of this year, at the end of this week, and we're four and three, you know, that's a whole different redcast next week, and and immediately you feel a little bit of a little bit of hope. Dave, you and I went to Columbus a year ago and saw us lose sixty-two to three. If we're talking about that yep. kind of game in a week, boy, it just keeps the keeps adding and piling up on top of each other. So results still matter, and that goes back to my point about how can we be. I'm not trying to be positive tonight. I'm trying to be productive. Like, what do we need to do to get better now this year? And that's the the whole Riley thing of take over offensive coordinator duties. That's something you see other coaches do when times get tough, and sometimes it helps, and sometimes it doesn't. I'm 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 brainstorming. What can we do? We can't just keep doing the same thing. But um, yeah, at least sixty-seven percent of our fans there they think that uh, they think that we should be doing another one or two years with with Riley. They they believe well, that, in that. that's 
that's fair, and I understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I read uh, Dirk Chatelain's article today where you know he broke down the next 18 games and said, point blank, it could be an ugly 18 games, uh, especially if Mike Riley uh, is retained, in the sense that if we're not seeing progress, we just talked about it in this redcast, we're not seeing a lot of progress. Maybe some, Honky, you're more positive on the defense than I expect you to be, but we may be favored in maybe six of those 18 games coming up, and that is, uh, if you just took that record and said we would go 6-12 and 12 or the next 18, you're just delaying the inevitable, right? I mean, how sure. does Riley survive? Sure, he somehow survives this year. How in the heck does he survive next year with a similar record? Yeah, well, you asked, uh, you asked Dave, you know, when's the right time to, to make these changes? Um, we had a couple of redcasters. These are the responses they gave to one of our questions. One of them said, yep, I hate to be stuck in mediocrity, but I don't know if you can fire a guy after year three. That's fair. The next guy writes three years or something less is enough time to know if a coach is going to work out or not. That's fair, too. The reality is when's the right time to fire somebody? The right time is when is when it makes sense to do it and, and there doesn't seem like there's another option that's that's better. One of the things that's hurt Nebraska over the last 20 years is that we've fired a couple of coaches, namely Solich and Pelini, when they've gone 9-3. and three. Those are tough times to fire someone because – it puts that next coach into a difficult position. Now, we're not rooting for this or anything, but imagine that this season really goes south. Imagine finishing with one of those losing records. People would say don't fire someone because next year we're playing this tough this tough schedule, but the reality is that's actually not a bad time to do it. If you're 4-8, and eight, I'm just throwing a number out there, if we were 4-8 and eight at the end of this year and the next coach comes in next year and goes 6-6 six and six against this great schedule that we're playing – that would be viewed as a very positive first year. That's actually a great time to bring in a coach. But if we go nine and three, you know, we win our last six games, as I said, and then for some reason we fired it, you know, we fired Riley, you know, going nine and three. Right. The third time we've done that to a nine and three coach, then if we did that. But imagine if we did that, you know, fired someone, and then the next guy comes in and goes six and six. That six and six looks terrible. You don't want to go six and six after nine and three. But if someone goes four and eight, that tends to be the time that they go. The next guy comes in. He's he's given a little bit of a grace period because of, of that four and eight year you had, and and hopefully next year looks better because of it. Sure, no, that, that's a good point, Boomer. Yeah, I tend to agree with kind of basically what Honky's saying there. It, let we'll let the season play out a little bit, but I'm not sure what positives we're going to take away from the rest of this season. Just kind of looking at the schedule, uh, how many games left are we even going to be favored in? Yeah, Two, this year. maybe. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Just looking at it, I don't know if we're favored against Purdue at this point. Playing on the road there, no. I, I don't see any reason to pick us over Purdue. Just, you know, I'm not Vegas or anything, but on the surface, I don't see that happening. And another year of not making a bowl bid without, you know, pure luck with academics the first season, another five-win season. You know, we we took a lot of crap for firing nine win coaches. You know, it's a little easier to fire five win coaches over a couple seasons. I will yeah, say I don't that. think the national perception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if Riley goes nine and three or even eight and four, that would be a different story. But the funny thing is, I don't think the national perception is like the Riley experiment's not working out at Nebraska. Like, no one would be shocked at this point if Riley got fired. 
that's that's I mean Nebraska I think we are being more conservative and more understanding that 67 percent that answered our poll then the the national perception is like what is Nebraska doing with this guy I, I'm just throwing it out there I think the national perception is, is like that's a bad fit and it should never have happened yeah no well, I think that's fair and it it, it, it kind of stems uh, similar to something I we looked at a few weeks ago I don't remember if we talked about it on air or not I remember the the guys on 1620 brought it up um just what's the average tenure of a coach in Division oh, I yeah. football? And I, I ran the numbers, and the vast majority of coaches have been here four years or less. So it's yeah. not like three years is really out of the ordinary for any particular coach. It's this this kind of just the nature of college football nowadays. You, you have to produce. Yeah. You have to produce relatively quickly. You have to show some kind of progress, give people a reason to invest in emotionally and monetarily in the program. And if you're not showing that, at least something give people something to hang their hat on absolutely what good does it do to keep it around any further yeah well yeah. you know one of our red casters he wrote uh, we've been here for 15 plus years uh we will get there if we quit playing the coaching carousel and i don't know that that's true some the coaching carousel ends when you get the right coach it's all and about the question the right really coach. becomes and that this is this is the question that has to be answered is riley the right coach if he is Number one, we should start winning here soon. Yep, that's and number right. two, the coaching carousel coaching carousel will stop. Oklahoma had a coaching carousel in the nineties. Nebraska had a coaching carousel in the forties and the fifties. Um, Alabama had a coaching carousel up oh, until yeah. Saban. And if Saban would have been sixteen and fourteen or whatever Riley's record is right now, if Saban was like that in year three, and if Saban was losing by by the, the, the point margins that we've been losing by and if he's a 24-point underdog at home the next week, you know, Saban yep. would have been part of the Alabama coaching carousel. They would have fired Saban at some point. That's that's the reality of it. So coaching carousels go on until you find the right guy. And so that's the whole question behind all this. I don't know that there, we don't have to pick a number. There's plenty of evidence, as we saw today at Oregon State, but there's plenty of evidence of teams that don't let coaches go into year four. There's no guarantee of year four at any at any school and texas just did yeah. it a year ago and 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 we the said at the beginning at this point yeah we a, said at the and beginning the recruiting of this, cycles are, are so much quicker yeah we said at the beginning of this year that we thought eight and four was really the, the minimum number that that the red cast thought we needed to see this year and if it's way below that then i don't see why we'd have to wait a year to have something happen and does anyone think we're going to hit eight to hit eight, it's you gotta go five right and now. one now. You're, you're guaranteeing that you have to beat a Penn State or an Ohio State. Okay, so <laughs> I think no is probably the the consensus view at this point. Without without getting into it too deeply, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, just, and I know that like Mac is definitely like a I don't want to fire Riley, and I totally see his perspective. Yeah. I'm I'm not dismissing that, but I, at, at the end of the day, we have to see some improvement, and a lot of coaches are you see improvement. By year three, and I, I'm looking for the evidence. Yeah. Give me the evidence because I, I was I was supportive of Riley, you know, with the hire. I thought it was an interesting hire. I didn't freak out as some other people did. I thought, hey, let's give this guy a shot. I've a lot. Of, I've seen a lot of good things from this program from a from how they've managed the program, mm -hmm. but the the evidence on the field is not there right now. Yeah, I. I like Riley. I, I don't want to pile on. Like we said on Saturday night, yeah. I don't want to pile yeah. on. But it's just at some point you you got to give us something not to 
to pile on about. I mean, there's, yeah. And and this goes. We gave a discussion about this over the summertime when we were talking about the Bo Pelini and the Mac Browns back at Texas. Is that you know sometimes just being a good guy can buy you some time. And and I think that that's part of the. There are people that we really like Riley. We just genuinely like him. He's a good guy. But my gosh. I'll take anything over the, 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 the kinds of losses that we've had, basically, Dave, dating back to that, that trip to Columbus a year ago. Yeah, that's right. You think, uh, and let's wrap this up here. We, we could go on forever, but I'll just throw a little little thing out to, to be a head-scratcher, I guess. We talked about how the, the money has made a difference, right? Your, your results need to happen sooner than ever. Uh, back in the day, you'd get five years, uh, but those coaches were making uh, a – uh, pittance compared to what uh, head coaches make today. Do you feel like sometimes because of the huge salaries and the buyouts? I mean, Brett Bliam uh, has like a twelve or fifteen million dollar buyout at Arkansas for goodness' sake. Yeah, so enjoy him another year, Hogs. You know. Yeah, uh, is that they they uh, sure that they're on the hot seat almost all the time, but they've also are multimillionaires that have made tons of money. And look, if Mike Riley. It gets uh, dismissed and is no longer the head coach at the University of Nebraska. Uh, he will retire comfortably in the hill country of Texas and not have to worry about anything, right? He's earned his pay, uh, whether it's Oregon State or Nebraska. You know, has the, the, the salaries also changed, like, the urgency sometimes to win uh, from a coaching staff? Sure, they're going to get fired, but I just got paid $6 million over three years with a $6 million buyout. Who cares, right? Well, it's made, it's made coaching a great gig because you, it's a golden parachute before you even before you even you know the ink is dry right. on your on your uh, contract. I don't know. I mean, you can go back to Bob Devaney and he had five great years here, completely turned us around after twenty horrible years, and he goes six and four in two straight seasons, and there were people calling for his head. So I don't know if the in terms yeah, of but he was the he wasn't set for life with the money he had made at that point, right? Correct, correct. He's not set for life by it, but the expectation now they are. You know the. The money isn't making. I don't think the money that if Riley was making one million or ten million, I don't know in my mind if that makes any difference. It, I'm looking at the results on the field. Maybe if you're an Iowa fan, you don't care how much you pay for rents, and you know every time he goes three and eight, they <laughs> they give him another three million a year. But but for us, I, I'm not even looking at the contract. I'm just looking at the results, and the results the results make the the call easy or not, and. That's where we hope we win the last six. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. I hope we win our <laughs> last six. All right. We'll now, I, th- I think the money does play a role in this. You're paying these guys millions of dollars. You have a right to expect a little something out of this. I mean, yeah. better than what we're seeing. I mean, I think back to you know good old Ewald Jumbo Steam when he requested a $750 raise back in the day <laughs> after being our winningest coach of all time, and we refused it, so he had to leave to go to Indiana. That's right. You know, nowadays I think we can ask a little more than you know four or five wins out of a coach we're paying millions of dollars for. I, I'm just saying the. Fans, I, I don't think that's unreasonable. I'm just saying the fans didn't put up with it when they were making less either. I'm saying the fans aren't any different whether the guy's making three million or not. If you're going no, four I, and eight, I, if you're going. That was my point, hockey. No, I, I think the coaches are different. That's my point. The coaches are different, right? Oh, with all these they, buyouts and huge contracts. There, I, I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, sure, Mike Riley wants to win just like everybody else. But at this point, I mean, look, he gets fired. He, he yeah. made pl- plenty of money. Okay. To, he can to walk that away. Point, Dave, to that point, Dave, that's where when you look at the great coaches, when you look at the Urban Myers yeah, and the Sabins, the they, 
they almost it's like they they don't even want to talk about those contract things yeah, it's that the competitive nature of who they are it, there's a competitive nature to that to that point I, I get where you're going that's where i was going urban meyer doesn't care how much he's getting paid even nick saban doesn't really care how much he's getting paid he they they just do it because they just they hate losing so much and they will do anything to not lose and I, I just don't know if, if this coaching staff or some other coaching staffs out there that are are less successful have as that much of a mentality. Can, can I can I give you one way. quote here, Dave, and then and then we can wrap it up? Yep. Speaking of Urban Meyer here, and you hear about you know with with uh, Riley, can we give him another couple of years to get his players in here? His players. This is Urban Meyer's belief on that. He goes, when you're hired someplace, he goes, those are your players. I hear TV guys wait until they get their own players in there. What do you mean their own players? The minute you sign a contract, they're your players. You didn't choose me. I choose you. You're mine. Absolutely. I love you, and I'm going to kick the S out of you, and we're going to do it right. That's Urban Meyer's mentality. Follow that up by him saying you don't get five years to build a team. You get two. That's how Meyer approaches things. By the way, folks, that's who we're playing on Saturday. Yep. So, no worries. No worries. (laughs) Nothing to see here, folks. (laughs) The Pod Predictions. And now on the Go Big Redcast is our Pod Predictions. We're taking the top 10 games of the week and running through our best guess. Uh, how did we do last week, guys? I think it was pretty rough, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Boomer did okay, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I don't... rough for a few of us, Dave. Some of us better well, than Well, so. if, if uh, Mac... Honky, who changed uh, late in the game after the podcast, and myself didn't take Nebraska. We'd have at least have one more win, but yeah, um, yeah, it wasn't my my best week. That's for certain. Let's well, see, we've got Honky one, two, three, four, five misses. Dave one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, five for Mac and Boomer with three misses last week. So. Seven and three for Boomer. Yep. We all whiffed on Michigan and K-State, and three of us took Louisville in an ill-advised amount of ACC. That's a disappointing loss there. I was the only one to get to NC State there, but uh, I also took Duke, I think, and that one hurt me. You did, and Oregon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, we'll update the numbers here on Twitter. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, speaking of uh, Virginia-based schools, uh, game day this week is – at James Madison, which where is that again, Boomer? I believe it was uh, Harrisonburg, Virginia. Harrisonburg. So the Dollies of James Madison are taking on Villanova, uh, and, and we're going to pick that one, I guess. So uh, let's start with that one, guys. Uh, Honky, I know you do a lot of in-depth research on the FCS. Don't you have a whole other podcast in the FCS? I'm sure you really know this game well. What's going to What's going to happen? <laughs> I'll, I'll go with James Madison, I guess. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, Boomer? Oh, this is just a, just a warm-up for the eventual Colonial Athletic Association massive clash to happen at the end of the year with uh, James Madison and Elon for the title. So James Madison all the way here. Yeah, I, I think we just needed a, uh, an easy win uh, in our, our pod prediction, so I'm going to take James Madison as well. If we're all wrong on this one, I'll be damned. Did you say, is that where ESPN Game Day is this week? Correct. Is that that right? is correct. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's the Dukes of James Madison, too. Correct. I was just joking. It's not the Dollies. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's head into the, uh, the big boy network here. Michigan at Indiana. Wolverines going to Bloomington. Honky? Uh, Michigan is going to be 
angry off of their loss, their surprise loss to Michigan State last week. They're going to come out fired up, and they will they will take care of the Hoosiers. All right. Boomer? Oh, God, I want to pick Indiana. Ugh, Michigan. They've been close many times before. On yes, this. they have. They let me down all season. Let's go, Michigan. Yeah, I think uh, Harbaugh will get it figured out just enough to, to win this one. Indiana always seems to stub their toe whenever they get a shot. Uh, all right, let's go to another one of those classic Big 12 matchups we love to talk about. Uh, 24th-ranked Texas Tech. Clingsbury saving his job there right now. Heading into Morgantown to take on the Mountaineers of West Virginia. Boomer? Oh, let's go Texas Tech. All right, Honky. Uh, maybe I guess Boomer's from that that part of Texas. Grew up there. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give a little love to his area, Texas Tech. First college game I ever watched, Red Raiders. Ah, Jones AT and T Stadium. Um, you know, Morgantown's tough to play at. Uh, West Virginia's actually favored in this game. I don't have a lot else to go off of. I'm gonna take the Mountaineers on that. They burn couches in Lubbock too, Dave. Oh, oh, well, if it was in Lubbock, I guess I would, you know, I'd, I'd go with them. But I think it's pretty much a, a pick em and the home team wins pick ems. All right, uh, Auburn versus LSU. we got Tiger versus Tiger here. Uh, it's at uh, Baton Rouge. Honky? I'm going to go with LSU. Oh, Honky, can you do that in the Ed Orgeron voice for me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. We all love your your, your voice. It's going to sound just like my, my my Mike Riley voice, probably. I have no idea. Not, I probably can't That's do the opposite that order of now. Mike Riley. Yeah. Well, I'm coaching LSU, and uh, well. it's like a Johnny no Carson what... voice. I don't know what that was. Yeah. LSU, uh, Boomer, uh, Auburn. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to take Auburn, too. Uh, Molzahn's got that offense starting to roll with Stidham, so uh, I, I don't think LSU is, is ready for that one. So I'll take the Tigers of the Plains, not the Bayou. All right, uh, Georgia Tech is going down to Miami to take on the Hurricanes. Rick had a big win there against Florida State last week. Uh, great game. Who are you taking this one, Hunk? Going Miami with my lock of the week. Lock of the week, Hurricanes Ooh. over the Yellow Jackets. All right, Boomer? Uh, I picked the Yellow Jackets to win their division, so let's go with them. Oh, yeah, all right. Um, I'm, I'm going to take Miami as well. I, I don't think I have – it's hard to read that Georgia Tech offense right now. Maybe they are actually that good, but uh, it seems like Rick's got something going on right now there. Um, and, again, only in his second year, and he, he's making a difference. Uh, all right, Red River Rivalry. I've uh, been down to this game before. It's quite the setting of the Texas State Fair. Oklahoma taking on the Longhorns of Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Boomer? You know this game well? Uh, we're going to go Oklahoma. I think they're pissed after the Iowa State loss. That's fair. Honky? Going Texas. Think. Really? Yeah. This wow. Is, I mean, you think just – for a minute think about this game here i mean you add up these two coaches their age and it's almost riley i mean what 34 yeah. Is, yeah. is lincoln riley well, and these guys 
Yeah, his coaching experience probably doubles him up, right? He's got over 40 years of coaching yeah. experience. Riley has at, or Lincoln Riley has most 10 probably. So yeah. Yeah, and and that crazy. big loss there for Lincoln Riley. This is this is one of those challenging moments that coming into the season we we did a redcast the day that uh, Stoops left and it's like this is this is a tough season all of a sudden for them. Now you start to lose one or two games and his leadership's going to have to shine through. I'm I'm going with Texas. Interesting. You know, I, I hear you're what you're saying there, Honk. I do think Oklahoma's the better team, and I definitely think Baker Mayfield uh, is probably going to bounce back. So I will, I'll take the safe pick there and go Oklahoma. It should Although be no, I, it should be no. I am in last place by by a yes, lot. Yes, for so. a reason. <laughs> for for a, reason. a reason. There's no doubt about that. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's take on a game that we uh, we asked was if it was happening or not. Uh, last week, Rutgers goes to Illinois. Oh God! Scarlet Knights versus. <laughs> Look, we we are the twelfth team in the Big Ten, but I feel confident we are not thirteenth or fourteenth, and that's where these two teams are. They're battling it out to be the worst team in conference. Uh, yeah, Boomer, I'll give you this the honor of doing this. One I notice first. you're never picking these first, Dave. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't. You know, I, I just I want to look up what the actual spread is. It's at Illinois, so I'm likely going to take that one. I think really the spread is death, is what this is. Uh, <laughs> it is not let's, jeez, I've watched both play. They both suck. Uh, Illinois at home means something. I don't know. Let's go. Illinois is favored by two and a half. Yeah, jeez. Is this the first game they're starting, Jeff George Jr., or was that last week? I know they. I know they've made a switch at quarterback at least from Crouch. Oh. Well, I'm sure that's going to solve everything. There you go. <laughs> hey, they, they can't keep on doing the same thing over and over again, right? That's you know, right. You've got to switch gotta, it up somehow. You've got to make a change at some point, right? <laughs> make a change. I will, I will take Illinois in this one. I don't know why, but I will. Uh, hockey? I'm going to take Illinois. and But on top of that, you know, we've talked about, like, what are the best conferences and everything. I think, you know, the Big Ten's getting some real good love for being one of the, the better conferences right now. And it's amazing when you look at the very bottom of it, what you have there with Rutgers in Illinois. I mean, that's that is two of the absolute worst Power Five schools out there. But yeah, I'm saying Illinois. that we may not be favored in any other Big Ten game the rest of the year, and we beat Illinois twenty-eight to six on the road. Mm-hmm. That's that's how bad that is. Uh, Boomer, what'd you say on yours? What'd you pick? Uh, we went Illinois. Because reasons, I don't know. <laughs> right. Good enough. Uh, all right, let's go out West Coast. Uh, we have Oregon uh, going to the farm, taking on Stanford. Uh, Stanford uh, uh, looked uh, better uh, beating Utah last uh, Saturday night late. Uh, Bryce Love looks awfully good as uh, they're running back. Boomer? Uh, we're going to go Stanford here. Honky, I picked Stanford to to win the conference at the beginning of the year, and I'm gonna stick with them now. I will also go with Stanford. I think uh, you know Oregon is looking better as well, but um, I think they're down to their second or third string quarterback, right? So mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think uh, Stanford is uh, primed to take that one. All right, uh, getting down there. Let's. Go back to the SEC. We have Texas A&M at Florida. 
Honky? I'm going to go with Florida at home. All right. Do you see? Do you guys see the uh, the highlight there of uh, the Florida game last week uh, against LSU where in between the third and fourth quarter they played uh, Tom Petty with uh, I Won't Back Down? That was awesome. That was, uh, that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. Maybe they might do that uh, again. Uh, Boomer, thoughts on this one? Well, that ended well for Florida last week doing that, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying it's a, a winning tradition. I'm just saying it might be a tradition. <laughs> it's a tradition. Okay. Uh, it's at the swamp. Let's go, Florida. Yeah, I think I'm gonna do the same. This is a tough one. Uh, I do. I'm think not confident. Is... No. Man, it's tough. Florida's favored by three. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Florida. They have a little bit more more uh, uh, hope than A and M. It's a tough one, though. All right. Um, Boise State at San Diego State. Going, going with the Mountain West here. Uh, you know what? I will. I will go first, uh, Mike. Strange Boomer, that. Because uh, I want to do my lock of the week. I am taking San Diego State, a believer in the Aztecs. So I'll take take San Diego State's lock of the week. Hockey, have you got a lock of the week yet? Yeah, I took Miami. Boomer, oh, did okay. you do one? No, since Dave just stole mine, but I'll uh, ah. go back and uh, we'll make, we'll go ahead and make Auburn the lock of the week. So they were no, my second a, choice. That's yeah. a safe bet. Yeah. Yeah, very safe. Yeah. All right. So Boomer's clearly taking San Diego State, uh, Honky. Oh yeah. I'm taking San Diego State. Rocky Long, if he wasn't um, probably as old as Mike Riley, he would be an interesting coaching hire for somebody. I don't know who, but he's been very successful. Um, all right, guys, that brings us down to the last game of the week which is uh, one that, if it wasn't our team, probably not on this list. Ohio State is a 24-point favorite coming to Lincoln for a night game. Hard to imagine that, but here we are. Boomer, um, we, we promised the folks a little bit of a breakdown of Ohio State. We know they're good. We know they lost to Oklahoma, but um, all the stats are probably in their favor, correct? Yeah, just about any stat that really matters in a game is pretty much in their favor. Um I'm just going down the list. It's time for the Dorky Data Download. Uh, yeah, there's there's not much positive for the Nebraska Ledger. <laughs> the one that uh, the big concern fellow. that yeah the big concern that really stands out to me and it was one that kind of stood out last week with Wisconsin is uh, points per play. Wisconsin averages uh, about uh, 0.57 points per play. Uh, Nebraska's about 3.8. You know, it's something we touched on earlier about our struggles. Mm-hmm. Sure, we move the ball, but we're just not converting it into points. Right. Uh, just to make you feel any better, uh, for the last three games, Ohio State's been averaging 0.7 points a play, and they're averaging somewhere about in the 70s plays per game. So wow. they're churning out about 50 points a game. So that that's promising. So we've got that to look forward to. Yeah, it's a team that's torched Rutgers, and yeah, it's, it's difficult. They also have a very talented uh, freshman running back, similar to Wisconsin, right? Uh, Dobbins. Yeah. Um, and it seems like JT Barrett, after a, a pretty disappointing performance versus Oklahoma, has bounced back and has thrown a lot of touchdown passes. So it's going to be a going to be a chore. Uh, Honky, you want to take a first crack at this? <laughs> Thanks. I. Hey. Uh, <laughs> God, you know I. You know, I mean, it's a 24-point spread, so I'm either 
on the side of it's gonna, we're gonna get blown out, or I'm just gonna defiantly pick Nebraska just to pick us and and show my support, right? You get at least you get if you could you could show support by just simply saying we would cover. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> true. Oh, I uh, I think our defense. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna say our defense performs well and can hold them to 31 points. And we score 10. 31 to 10. 31 to 10. All right. That's a cover. So that'd be, in Vegas, a a victory. Boomer? Uh, Just hoping our defense can hold them a little bit and maybe we return a punt or something. Keep it a little closer, below their normal average. It's going to be Ohio State, 42 to 24. Huh. That's also, I mean, all of us essentially said we were going to lose to Ohio State to begin the season, right? I mean, when we broke down the season, none of us said we were going to win this game, Um, and so you know, here we are. Yeah, I I am mentally and visually scarred by sitting through a sixty-two to three debacle at uh, um, uh, Columbus, Ohio last year. It was it was brutal, um, and we lost in all facets of the game. Uh, at home, I don't think it'll be quite that bad. But yeah, I'll I'll say Ohio State forty-five, Nebraska fourteen. Uh, I don't think we have a real real shot. Um, you know, I kind of picked this to beat Wisconsin last week because I I do think Riley always, even on his bad teams, would tend to beat somebody he shouldn't beat. I just can't in my mind fathom how this team could could turn that around and pull it off this year. But hey, you never know. But we'll see. All right, guys. Well, um, I'm sure for our uh, Twitter uh, audience, we'll make sure we get max predictions on these games and get those in there. And uh, we'll have a full set to, to look at. Uh, anything else you guys want to add uh, before we go into parting shots? I'm good. No, I'm, I'm, I'm content. All right. Parting shot from Honky. What do you got, man? Well, uh, again, I want to thank the Redcasters. Uh, today we have passed 1,400 Twitter followers. And when awesome. you include our Facebook as w- along with that, we're getting close to 1,700 total. So uh, kind of when starting this whole little podcast thingy back in April, if you'd have told us that, we would have said you're crazy. And uh, on top of that, our, our weekly listeners, they're nearly double today what they were just at the beginning of this season. And yep. and that that number back then blew us away. So... Uh, just can't say enough here, uh, Redcast Nation, that we thank you for your support. And even when the game's on the field, they've been a little bit tough at times. You have made this whole experience well worth it. So uh, we will we will keep doing this. But thank you guys for following. We're going to carry on. All right. Boomer. I don't have anything nearly as elegant as that. I mean, he's out here thanking <laughs> listeners. And I just assume we're all crazy, any of us recording and listening to this stuff. So... That's all we got. So madness helps. That's right. That's what I'm going to say. I think, you know, uh, the Redcast and anybody who cares as much to, to put it, uh, not just the show on, but to listen and all the, the, the comments we get in from everybody, uh, we cannot let the the fan base fall into apathy. So uh, keep, keep that in mind when you run into those fans that are saying they just don't care any longer. Um because we will become Minnesota if we uh, allow that to happen. And 
uh, I, I'm not going to be one to do that. So yep. let's, uh, let's keep this up. Uh, I always will love talking Husker football regardless of our win-loss record. Um, and I have faith that we will someday find the light, whether that's under Mike Riley or someone else. All right, boys. Let's uh, let's call that a uh, go big Redcast. GBR. GBR. Ohio State. Beat the Buckeyes. Oh.